and I applied to get into the grad school program, um, uh, the MFA program in the ceramics department, and I got accepted. Um, and then this past uh, fall and spring, I was that was like my first year in the MFA program, and next year will be my my second and last year okay. in the program. Um, and I took I was started taking like a photography class that in uh, the spring or, or yeah the spring semester um this year and when and I, I started taking yeah so I started taking the photography class and then when COVID uh the COVID shutdown happened I just kept uh basically just going around the neighborhood and I'd go on walks and whenever I leave the house I just have my camera with me so I just kind of started an Instagram and and just started doing that as kind of like my creative outlet um yeah and so then when George Floyd got murdered, um, protests started happening in Philadelphia, and I just, you know, brought my camera because I wanted to to document it, and um, and I didn't really have a plan for what I was going to do at the beginning. I didn't even know if like the photos were going to turn out good at all. I just wanted to like just go see what I could shoot, and the the protest the first day was like ended up being pretty crazy and uh cop cars were being set on fire there was um cops in riot gear all over the place and so it was just it was just ended up being like a really intense day and um and i just you know took the pictures as uh when i when i got out there and i just decided that you know after that day i was like this is i already knew you know what was going on around the country was, was pretty crazy but i was like man this is like nothing I've ever experienced before. And I just feel like I needed to like get out there and, and just keep um, documenting what was happening. Um, yeah. And that's, that's basically what happens. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, I mean, when you got home that first day, when you brought your camera, so you had, you had come to the, um, and I mean, basically this whole time you, you are also a, a protester. You're, you're not, it's not yeah. like you're a media and you're affiliated with a certain, outlet you're you're there as as a protester to 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 push back on on these injustices right exactly exactly yeah and so when you got home that day or at what point you know after you had started bringing your camera with you at what point did you realize that you were getting some compelling images maybe um i think you know after the first day um just getting pictures of police in riot gear and, and getting a picture or getting a lot of shots of like the cop car burning. Um, I, I knew that those were, you know, after I went through and started editing photos, I knew that was going to be pretty cool. And I liked the shots that I took. Um, but I wasn't really, I didn't really like, I guess just cause of, like my lack of experience, I didn't really know, you know, how good, the photos were or like how people were going to react to them. I just like, well, I think that's pretty cool. Um, so the, the second day we went out and we were, we were marching and we were going to be marching like to the Philadelphia uh, Museum of Art and we ended up taking a left and then the cops blocked us crossing um, the six. Um, so then 
instead of turning back around, we just went out onto the highway. Um, Cause it was kind of just like the only way forward. Really. So we just went out into the highway and um, a bunch of people just immediately just started sitting down and then, and it was like, you know, super peaceful. Uh, we went out there then we, people started marching down um, the highway. Mm-hmm. And then once that happened, cops were immediately um, surrounding us. And uh, I saw people start running. Um, so I started running towards, you know, where people were running from. And I was trying to ask people, like, I was trying to take pictures. And I was asking people, like, what was happening? And they're like, I don't know. And then uh, I started feeling the, the, the tear gas, like, on my face. Um, even though I couldn't really see it yet. Um, so then I was like, oh, I got to. I kept on trying to take a picture and I was like, Oh, I got to get out of here. So then I started running up, um, off the highway up this like steep, um, grass embankment. And I get up and as I'm like kind of crawling up this embankment, uh, like a tear gas canister lands like five feet to my, my left. And, um, and then I get to the top of the embankment and I just take like a, a huge, I'm like starting to breathe hard, so I have like take this like huge inhale yeah. of um of tear gas, and then I immediately choke and I cough. And the when I cough, it sends all the tear gas up my mask right into my eyes, and so I rip my mask off and I, I can't see, I, I can't breathe. My lungs are on fire, my face is on fire, and I'm kind of just like stumbling forward with a bunch of people who also are all just you know just got hit with tear gas. And then this guy comes over and he pours milk on my face and I kind of just like take a moment to collect myself and, um, and then I keep walking and I see all these people crowded around this fence and I run over and I start taking pictures and I realize that all these people are trapped behind this fence on the highway and they're trying to like crawl over each other to, to get up this wall. And this wall is like, like, I don't even know, it's probably like 10 10, 12 feet high. It's like, um, there's like a cement wall and then there's like a a metal fence on top of it. So it's like, it's, it's a really hard climb for one. And and people are just trying to lift each other up to to get over top. And the people on the other side of the fence on my side, were trying to help them, you know, reach to the bars to try to help lift them to, to get them over the top. And, um, everybody's just screaming. And while that's happening, the cops are just shooting tear gas and rubber bullets and, and beating people and macing people on the other side of the fence. And it is, it is truly the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. It is, it, it, I, it, there's nothing, there's nothing really to like fully describe what, what happened, but it was just, just people screaming. And, um, it was terrible. It was like, <sighs> it, it felt like it was like, it was like a war zone and, and everybody was just like, you know, like no one was like fighting the cops or anything like that. It was, just people just literally trying to get away and the cops wouldn't stop. Um, they just wouldn't stop hitting them um, with, the, with the tear gas and the rubber bullets. Um, yeah, it was, it was really, it was really terrible. And then, um, so I was getting, I got a few shots of that and then I get over to the fence and I'm trying to get pictures of the, the cops um, on the other side. I was trying to get the pictures of like what was happening on the other side of the fence and 
I only got like a few shots off and then we get hit with tear gas on the other side of the fence. So everybody who was trying to help the people escape, um, they get hit with tear gas and we all start running. Um, and, and so, yeah, I had, I had to get out of there and then I called my roommate and she came picking me up. Um, and basically, yeah, that was, that was that day. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So like, that was the second day. And like, once I got pictures of that, I was like, okay, now I have like, <laughs> this is crazy. Like that was the, the craziest thing that's ever happened to me. And I knew I had some, a bunch of pictures of it. I didn't know if any of them were good yet, but when I got home, I knew I had some like really crazy pictures on my hands, um, that needed to be seen. Um, so yeah, I, I, I kind of knew at that point for sure that I, I needed to keep going with it. It's so interesting to think about that shift from, you know, you, you had already known the importance of documenting this event, but when those documents turn into evidence of some kind, too, that right. that proof that, that this happened in case there was a dispute about the truth. Um, right. And that is, that I mean, you know, docu- documents are also very important to, to sort of telling the truth and upholding the truth, but uh, that shift to kind of where it's like... Um, it's needed to prove something is, uh, again, something else is just really dramatic. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, and, you know, if you, if you, people take a look at the, the New York times video of what happened that day, um, they'll see it, it breaks down in detail, everything that happened in, um, yeah. It, it it's it's just yeah it's, it's just pretty crazy because there's people that were in the crowd who was you know um trapped on the other side of the fence and they had the presence of mind to get their phone out and, and videotape all of it which is really something yeah wow i didn't i i guess yeah i mean i, I hadn't i hadn't seen those photos of yours and i didn't know that that particular story and that perspective yeah yeah i mean i mean yeah i feel like you know if anything's gonna convince convince you to to keep documenting something it's gonna be like seeing something like that and then there's any doubt there wasn't really any doubts in my mind of, of you know the changes that need to be made but if there's any doubts they were definitely gone after that day sure absolutely. <laughs> it was like it was pretty terrible yeah. Um, and so these the other images that um, I've seen of yours, which I think are connected to, I mean, it's, everything is connected, but these images that kind of um, of the police officers playing with, with uh, protesters, playing basketball with protesters on this sort of mobile basketball hoop. This is in downtown yeah, Philadelphia, yeah. I think. Um, and those are the first images that I saw when I went to your Instagram account. Um, and, you know, I think that that those uh, that, that we're, we're seeing many types of or, or documentary slash photojournalism um, photography that can be kind of put into many different categories and like, you know, the feelings we get from them. And there can be some really uplifting imagery that comes out of the protests. Um, and there can also be really uh, gut-wrenching and um, sort of horrifying imagery as well. 
Um, and of course, the uplifting imagery has to be has to be like questioned more so. I think, at least on my end, than the than the 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 images that show um, the, the the stuff that's hard to look at and hard to imagine experiencing. Um, so I just was I just would was wondering if you could kind of describe that situation that you sort of came upon because we've seen a lot of sort of. Um, there's been some mobile basketball hoops at different protests and people playing and, and stuff like that. And it's one of the reasons I love basketball is because it uh, it can be solitary, but often it's like a community sort of based experience. Um, and I, I'm liking that those spaces exist at the protests a lot. And I'm just wondering how you felt when you when you sort of saw that situation playing out. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought that was a, was a pretty like beautiful moment. Um, you know, there's, there's been a lot of, uh, a lot of like photo ops that, you know, police and the, the, the mayor and like city council people have been taking part in where they'll, you know, they'll, they'll be in front of the press kneeling with protesters or something like that. And then turn around and say, Oh, we can't really do anything for you. Um, so it's just been really frustrating because it's like these like fake moments of solidarity. Um, but I felt like when I saw the you know the, these police officers play basketball, come over and play basketball with these guys, like I I felt like it was a really genuine um, kind of like beautiful moment. Um, and I feel like there's because there's there's a few different factors in it too because. Um, like right now, because of the pandemic, you know, all the, the basketball hoops have been taken off of the backboards in mm-hmm. Philadelphia parks um, across the, the city. And so, um, you know, there there is no basketball being played, you know, and there's no wise open or, you know, gyms open right now, indoor gyms open right now. So it's like even the cops haven't been playing basketball either. Like basketball has basically been off the table for everybody across the board. And um, to have uh you know these guys come over i just felt like it was a genuine moment like dang i really want to play basketball (laughs) and and i felt like there's also just like you know there's all black men playing and i felt like you know there's this like you know cultural significance to that moment as well and um in the way that you know like you said like sports can it's kind of this universal thing that you know everybody can really enjoy even people who don't really play basketball, enjoy watching it and stuff like that. Um, so I, I don't know. I just felt, I felt it was a kind of like a actual genuine moment of solidarity and, um, yeah. And I, I don't know, you know, who those police officers are or, you know, what their views on everything is, but I hope, you know, it's, um, I hope they can, they can use their, you know, their, their power to, to be a part of the change because, um, we need, we need, you know, people to be pushing uh, changes right now from from every direction. Um, but yeah, I, I, I thought it was like a really, um, like like beautiful moment. And the at the end of it, they all kind of like knelt and you know, put their fist up and and, and took the picture together. So. Um, it wasn't really like a planned thing at all. It kind of just happened. So I, I don't really know. Like, I still kind of feel weird, you know, taking, you know, doing these like photo ops, you know, with, with, with um, police officers, but it, it did feel like a genuine moment. So I felt like it needed to be shared. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think uh, it's it's important to see those interactions as well. And I I think that what your images and I mean others some other images that I've seen. I mean, I think I think that sometimes you can tell when things are a little bit more um, strategic on the mm-hmm. the people in, who have the power or the weapons or whatever it is when they're doing some kind of performative activism in order to to calm things down and get through the next couple minutes or the next couple days or whatever it is. Um, exactly. I, I think you can tell um, through the images. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I'm just basing this off of my own experience, of course. Um, and I think that your picture just, just made me wish that that was something that was like seen all the time. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. that, it just, it, that it wasn't out of the ordinary for um, police officers just play basketball with, with like, I, it is, there was the there were more moments like that that felt kind of um, natural, organic, sort of off the cuff, just happening. Because um, of course, like you know, those those moments happen outside of protests as well. But it just rather than standing out, I wish those were the moments that we that we saw all the time, and that it was the the instances of violence that that uh, you know rather than the um, the instances of like camaraderie that were the exception. Yeah, yeah. I mean, un- unfortunately, I just feel it's. Um... Yeah, it's just it's just the whole the whole way that the, the police are are set up to function um, is why we don't get those those moments. Absolutely. Um, and 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 we don't get you know broad community policing strategies and de-escalation strategies or you know building community trust. Um, it's very much, you know, whenever I see a cop drive down the street or a cop show up or, or something like that, it's it's always, um, you know, brings anxiety with it or fear. Or when I get pulled over, it's like, oh, am I next, you know? Um, and it's so, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's never really a case where, where a cop, you know, is, is, come, is like walking past or driving past or I'm like, Oh, I feel safe now. <laughs> or oh, I you know, I'm glad that person is here. Um and and I think you know that kind of speaks to what what that moment was. It's like that when they're playing basketball, it's like, oh, it's like um at least for for the time it's it's like, oh, I feel like we're all on like the same team. Now, whatever they do after that, you know, uh, wherever they go out and do, you know, for the rest of the day or whatever. Like, I have no idea. I don't know who these people are. I don't know if they're actually good guys or not. But um, I think it was like a rare moment where I actually did, like, you do feel, like, safe or this is like a like a, like a genuine human-to-human experience where they they kind of metaphorically put the badge down, you know. Um, and they could have just been, like, wearing street clothes or something. But it's... Yeah, it's still it's still kind of a little bit unsettling because you know these are guys playing basketball with guns on their hips. You know, it's like it's like, it's it, it's really it's really like a strange thing. And um, yeah, but 
it was it was a it was an interesting it was an interesting moment and uh yeah i'm glad i guess i glad i glad i shared it because it, it does have some like complexities to it yeah i still don't know exactly how how i feel about all of it but and it's so i mean it's just hard like you're saying you don't know the stories of these individual cops and are these individual cops the actual issue that we're up against not necessarily like mm-hmm. it, it is the system that has uh built up and allowed for this type of violent treatment and behavior and you know the uh how white supremacy functions within a police department right. and things like that so even if um those cops and ended up later on that day doing something that that would have been upsetting or, or we don't know it's still like what needs to change is not them it's so much bigger than that so yeah. i think it's good to still to still sort of like you're saying, whatever you felt in that moment, like that shouldn't uh, be downplayed. Right, right. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, and I hope you know we there. There's a way to come out of this on the other side where um, There's there's a there's like a mutual understanding of of that, um, but it's 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 really hard to get there when you know the way politics is set up and, and the way that the, the cops you know their first instinct is to lie and cover their own um, cover their own asses really is just like it it really you know feeds into the us against them mentality and. Um, and ultimately, you know, we're against, you know, the system, we're, we're against policy, we're against um, white supremacy, we're, we're against, you know, institutionalized racism. And, um, but they are kind of like, you know, the embodied, you know, part of that, that mm-hmm. people want to want to rail against, you know. Um, and there's de- definitely those people who need to be held accountable. Um, but it's, it, it, you know, it's just that those kind of like unspoken policies where, you know, they're all going to, even if we think they're, they're good guys or they're, you know, they like playing basketball or like whatever it is, like they, there's this instinct and this unwritten rules where that they have to cover their own asses before they hold themselves accountable for anything. And I think that's just where all community trust, uh, breaks down like every time. And especially amongst, you know, black and brown communities, uh, it's just, it's just something that's, that's always been there. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a difficult situation that we're in and we need, um, we need, we need action from, you know, the, the people like, like mayors and city councilmen. Um, and, and I hope that, you know, we take full advantage of the opportunity to, to put the pressure on them to, um, you know, hold these individuals accountable and to make like sweeping dramatic changes to, you know, the way policing is even, you know, thought of in this, in this country. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, and, and even last night at this vigil here in Tucson, one of the discussion points was that we're 45 minutes from the border with Mexico here and, 
you know, that uh, uh, ongoing narrative within uh, American media is how um, corrupt things are in Mexico mm-hmm. and how poorly run, mm-hmm. uh, you know, politics, law enforcement, whatever it is. And right. that's like the narrative that gets pushed forward. But here in Tucson, this incident happened where this 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 um, this man was was killed by the police back in April, and they just released the footage, you know, t- two months later that that shows that it was uh, that he was killed by the police. Um, so they're right. covering up. So so I think that that really we're like seeing everything kind of come to the surface um, right. here that that uh, there's a lot of sort of false narratives that have been pushed forward about about w- what's problematic and, and what is, where is it better to live and all of these things. And I'm not saying, I don't think because I haven't lived in Mexico or, you know, on that side of the border from Tucson, I don't get to say like where I'd rather live necessarily, but it's just this idea that like uh, it's so easy to sort of um, create these narratives that, that, that malign like the unknown the thing that you know is just off in the distance and then not keep yourself in check about that and not hold yourself to a higher standard and so there's so many different ways that this kind of um sort of takes takes it takes different paths this form of control and and this threat that we have to deal with and of course when i say we like i realize that i you know i'm 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 a white woman. I, I'm not um, as much as the the police can often make me uncomfortable. It's a very different situation um, for for populations for for black and brown people. And so, just acknowledging that um, that that the police are set up to to protect um, some people and and not others. And um, yeah, it just it seems like it's all being uh, just cracked open, and everything's kind of. Uh, yeah, just it's the same as what happened during the pandemic. Like we were seeing such disparities by how people were affected by the pandemic. And and we see that with the policing as well. For sure. For sure. Yeah, it's it's a <laughs> it's, it's a, you know, it's a problem that's been here for as long as basically the country has been here. Um, yeah, before. And, you know, yeah. Hopefully, and, and, you know, and hopefully, you know we uh this is this is like one of those opportunities that we get to take you know another step forward um like together um i just think you know we've had there's there's just like kind of moments in time where uh we we have like opportunities to like push um our, our country in a certain direction so i just hope we like take advantage of it um cuz this is going to be one of those opportunities you know eventually this coronavirus isn't going to be around. People are going to have to go back to work. Sports are going to be back on TV. Hoops will be you know. back up. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, you know, people, there's going to be a ton of distractions coming down the, 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 you know, pipeline pretty soon here. So it's, um, it's important that, you know, we keep all, all these like issues in the forefront of our, our minds and, and stuff when it comes to, to voting. Um, in November, mm-hmm. um, because between now and then there's going to be a lot of a lot of distractions get in the way of talking about police brutality. Um, that that is something that that has that has to be addressed. You know, I, I don't I just feel like we really can't go back <laughs> from from all this and and not have 
major changes. And, you know, we did have one thing that happened in, in Minneapolis where they said they're going to disband, dismantle their police and restart and start over. And so we'll see how that goes. But I mean, I think, you know, acts like that really show from the, the, the government that they're trying, you know, that's like a, like a, actually a sincere uh, effort to try. Um, but we'll see if it's success, successful or not, but that's the type of, you know, actions we want to see here in Philadelphia because the situation is that bad. It's, right. it's really bad. Um, one thing that you said that um, just this idea when um, the police, the policemen were playing basketball, but they still were wearing their guns while they were playing. Yeah. I mean, I think that that goes, that speaks to um, no matter what, there's still kind of an issue. Like even if everything's okay and we're all sort of having a good time in this moment or, or whatever might be occurring, it's still like you still have a gun. <laughs> like you're still prepared right. at any moment to, to potentially um, – use that and I mean I think that that would that would be across that you know someone having a gun on them is not that's not something that's specific just to police officers that that would be intimidating from necessarily like it's just right. something that just I think like uh can be sort of off-putting in in many situations um so yeah I right. think that that's just kind of th that speaks to like how much how many things need to change in order for there to be sort of a real sense of like ease between I don't want to say police because hopefully there'll be a different name for them someday. But between yeah. like people who are there to like protect and serve as they're supposed to and those communities, it's like hard when when people have weapons to hurt you with and they're keeping them close at all times. Yeah. And, and you know, speaking to the, you know, having the gun on the hip thing, it's like I think we have to be really clear about what and who we're dealing with. Because these are people who get, you know, seem to get a, the benefit of the doubt. Like they're these like moral um, and ethical, you know, principled people. It's like it takes 20 weeks to go through a police academy to become a, a police officer. And then you get a gun on your hip. You get um, uh, a badge and you get to go through streets that you've never been in before. You have no idea what the community is like or the the culture is like um, people who may, none of them may look like you at all. And you're, and you are supposed to, you know, protect and serve. And you're, you're trained that any of these people could come at you at any moment and just kill you for no reason. So it's just like those, those type of things is just like, why are we giving these people the benefit of the doubt? Um, and, and if people want to, to like, you know, learn more about why the police officers act the way they do. Um, there's the, the, the Stanford experiment, the prison experiment. I don't where, know about this. Please explain. Yeah. So the, Stan, the Stanford prison experiment, I think, I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. Um, but it's, it's basically a, 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 it's like a famous like um, psychological experiment where they took a bunch of students, they divided them in half. They said, these or they, they divided them into two groups. They said these people are guards, prison guards, and these people are prisoners. And they did it arbitrarily. They just chose, they picked them arbitrarily. They put every all the, the prisoners in, in one kind of uniform. They gave all the the other guys, the, 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 the guards, like badges and um, 
they locked all the, the students who are prisoners in, in these um, rooms. And then what happened in a very short period of time is that the, the people who are guards started treating um, the prisoners horribly. They, they turned into monsters like overnight. It was just like you gave, you gave these people even just an ounce of power yeah. and they immediately start abusing it. And they start treating people who were friends or colleagues like trash because they just have the authority to do it. So it's, um, it's something about, you know, just having this unchecked power that where there is no accountability that you give a person and they very quickly turn into a, the monsters that we see in all these police brutality videos. And, um, and, and I think there's, there's something that, that, that there's a, just like a basic fact about human beings, about human nature that has to be addressed when we give these people um, immunity or like, I forget what this, like this term is actually, they the, just start the qualified, qualified immunity, qualified immunity. Yeah. We're giving people qualified immunity. We're giving them guns. We're letting them roam streets where they know, they don't know anything about. And with no training on de-escalation or any of those things. And we're just tra- like trained killers. You get 20 weeks of, of, you know, becoming a trained killer and then you just unleashed onto the streets. And then we wonder why they, these guys act like the way they do. It's, it's like, it's insane. Yeah. And, um, you know, if we're not going to address just like, you know, basic human psychology when, before we give someone a gun, then like um, that whole system has to be dismantled. It's just, if that's not like something that's being taken into consideration at the, at the, the get go at the, at the front, um, at the front door, you know, it's just like everything that follows just makes sense then of what we're seeing. I mean, then you can just, you know, put, even if you just put racism to the side, even though all these, you know, policing in America is, is based off of, you know, slave catchers and that sort of thing. So it started in a racist place. You know, you, you just put that aside. That power what skin color or sexual orientation or gender is, you know, it's, it's always going to end up back in this place of police brutality. Um, if we don't, if we don't address that and, and really hold these people to a way higher standard and make this job way harder to get than it is right now. Yes, and we we see that, you know, some of the most horrific videos that have c- come out of, like, this age of, um, like, you know, the past five years, past ten years, have been police brutality that don't involve guns necessarily. Um, right. And, and really, t- I mean, exactly. I'm just thinking, yeah, thinking about George Floyd, of course, but, you know, and, and Eric Garner and, and just... Um, Instances where where the the victim didn't necessarily die, but they were they were they were beaten, they were dragged, whatever it is. Like it's just it's really awful. And um, so, like you're saying, the guns are the issue, but it's like the mentality that comes with the gun that's the problem. And that exactly. mentality allows for them to then use their body in other ways and use their strength in other ways to also um, kill people, hurt people, like so many in so many different ways. Exactly. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's a mentality. And, you know, and like when you go into these protests, you know, you know, there's all these 
police barricades always and you can just tell you can just tell the police officers who um who can't handle that power you know you can tell the people who who you know they have a baton they have their riot gear on and they're ready to go and they just want you know the order to start busting heads you know and uh you can tell who those people are um and and (laughs) it wouldn't take you know a psychologist to Mm -hmm. to sit down and figure it out it's like there's certain people who are clearly not cut out for this line of work um and 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 those people need to to be getting rid of we have to get rid of them we have to do it quickly um and we have to you know take the money that is going to these people and we have to put it into the hands of black and brown people uh we have to put it in the hands of schools and community resources so, um, you know, we can actually build safer, stronger communities um, and not just throw people in jail, you know, or brutalize them. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that does not seem to be working in any in any sense of it. Um, what was going on in Philadelphia um, before the protests started as far as like conversations around I mean you had mentioned earlier that like things need to change there in a really profound way. Um, yeah. and so I was just wondering if there was like any sort of recent sort of discussions around this or or action being taken around this before the protests. Yeah, I mean there's definitely, you know, um activist groups and I had even been, you know, in a part of some uh protests that happened in town. Uh, prior to the um, prior to the George Floyd thing, because um, you know just because of the pandemic, um, the courts were all closed, but people were still being held in jail on um, cash bail or on bond or whatever, and um, so people who could, couldn't afford to pay their bails, you know, are stuck in jail where normally they'd be there for like, you know, a few days. Now they're in there for months because all the courts are, are, are closed and they're waiting for the court date. Right. And, you know, I, I did some work with the, um, the Philadelphia community bail fund, uh, just, just calling people who had gotten bailed out and, and just helping them and getting, make sure they're getting resources and stuff. So, you know, there's, there's been work like this happening. Um, and, but, you know, that, that, that type of like brutality, um, to, to keep somebody because they can't afford a few hundred dollar, you know, bail, um, and keeping them in close quarters with no soap, um, no masks, no way of social distancing and keeping them in close quarters for months while still bringing in more people and then uh, having all the courts closed, that, that's like, that's again, that's insane. And it's a global pandemic. And um, it, that that sort of thing, you know, just is, a, is another glaring problem in, you know, the whole uh, policing and, and judicial system uh, in this country, and especially in Philadelphia, because, you know, it's primarily affecting black and brown people again. Um, so, 
so things like this had been, you know, being addressed during during the pandemic. Um, in a, you know, and so maybe part of that is why this all really blew up so big because you know those type of actions um, were taking place in it. Um, so when it came time to to protest, because when George Floyd got murdered, you know, there's there's a lot of there's kind of already momentum building in kind of a, these activist circles um, before it happened. So so maybe that kind of was like maybe part of the perfect storm uh, that hit. Yeah. Yes, it does seem like um, just oh, I just I think that if um, oh, this is so hard to to totally encapsulate in one sentence or one thought, but just this idea that so many of the feelings that are coming out of the pandemic, there there's so much anger and frustration and sadness. And I think that um, that is being amplified through this situation um, and in, in what I hope is a productive way. I mean, what seems to be productive to some extent. Um, yeah. And it, it's, it's important because I think that the, I mean, our, so yeah, I mean, of course, most people I would hope or a lot of people I would hope would understand that that even the idea of um, cash bail or or um, the way that, you know, just how many people we incarcerate and, and who we incarcerate is like that that system is not, is not uh it, it it's destroying us not it's not helping in any way there's nothing productive right. about it or there, it's not creating anything um that's good for us as a as a large community as a society um so just that you know that energy that anger that like yeah so many systems are completely fucked within this country and then to have this this event happen with George Floyd it's like now we now we all know we all have this information and we we've had mm-hmm. access to it for years but it's been um easier if you uh i don't know have work whatever 50 hours a week or i don't know like you can you can put a bubble around yourself if you choose to and it that is just a harder thing to do during the pandemic and right exactly yeah just it 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 it's um if you don't if you don't believe that like anything's sort of holding you together or, or there's not a larger force that's like watching out for the good of us then what and i'm not talking about god as much as the government <laughs> um but mm. like that you know that 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 then let's let's get rid of all of it you know that mentality of like there's not one part within the system that that is working at this moment yeah yeah it's whew, i mean Philly, Philly is really really something like um it, it's something that you know I've, I've kind of been aware of because of uh just I, i've done some like you know teaching like art classes here and there in, in the public schools here and just seeing like the condition of the public schools is, is really terrible. And, um, you know, and, and there's, there's a, a really bad, you know, lack of resources and, um, and even to the point where, you know, there's like 215 like public schools or 214 public schools in Philadelphia and only seven of the schools have functioning libraries. Wow. So it's just like I in, in being from, you know, Wisconsin and you know, I had a really I was part of a really good you know public school system. And, you know, I've never not had a library 
in a school that I've been in, like elementary school all the way up through, you know, high school. Um, I never experienced like going to school without a library. Um, so <laughs> it's just like a, it's just like a wild, like certain things like that you find out and it's like a really wild, um, like reality, like out of all those schools, that's, that's the state that they're in. And, um, and there's, you know, it's also to the point where, you know, a lot of schools came in afford to have a full-time nurse or a full-time, um, like, like social worker on staff. Um, so, you know, that it's just like, they, but they also have full-time police officers in all these schools. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a group called uh, Philadelphia Student Union, and they had to Sam speak from their group at a protest, and they, they described a story where this kid died at school because um, the the nurse uh, they're, they're a part-time nurse and they weren't there that day and the kid had an asthma attack and, um, the police officer came to the room and they didn't know what to do. So, uh, the kid died. So it's just like the situations like that, you're just like, well, what, what, what is, what good is, is having, you know, these police officers around and stuff like that when, you know, the, the people who are actually going to keep the students safe or um, protect them, like nurses or like social workers or, or people who can you know, de- de-escalate situations and stuff like that and are trained in those things aren't at the school, and the school can't even afford to apparently provide that for the kids. Right. Um, but you have a, a police officer, even to the point where um, a police officer is the one who has the keys to the bathroom, so the kids have to you know, uh, get a, a bathroom pass from a teacher and then take their bathroom pass to the police officer who has a gun, who's walking around with a gun, yeah. and, and they have to ask them if they can have, if they can go to the bathroom. So it's just like, it's stuff like that. It's like, what? there's no reason for a police officer to have, to, to be functioning that way in, in a school. Um, and, 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 or to like, you know, honestly be in a school period. Um, so, you know, it's just like those are the kind of situations that like we're dealing with in, in Philadelphia. And, you know, that's why people are asking, you know, demanding, not asking, but, you know, demanding that they, you know, take money away from the police department and put it into these schools and these communities that like desperately need it, you know, that are are really struggling like really badly. And um, yeah, and, and and so I really just hope that, you know, that's. You know that that's what that's what comes um that's what ends up happening because yeah I feel like people are really motivated to make that happen at this point yeah absolutely and the, I mean those are just like such that's those are important I mean those are just basic things to ask I mean just the, the, what you're describing yeah. with it with the bathroom and kids having to ask police officers for the keys to go to the bathroom and just things like that it just seems so simple and straightforward that they're that if we have to regulate children when and where they go to the bathroom like you know what I'm saying as far as as far as having that type of control over them like we could make sure that there's no guns involved in that um yeah yeah it's really for real it does feel like there's so many little things 
um, that add up to one big thing. And sometimes it's like, oh, you know, there's this small thing that changed or I mean, whatever it is. Um, but it's all those things equal the problem. So if enough, if right. enough, if you can ask for or demand for specific things, those those things will eventually amount to to the bigger, the larger systemic issues. I hope. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I wanted to just uh, get back into your work a little bit, um, and and just have you talk about the shift from working with clay. I mean, you're still working with clay, but adding photography mm-hmm. into that and sort of if if uh, you know practicing photography and taking photos has informed your ceramic work at all if it's too soon to tell or if if there's I know for me that since I studied photography sometimes like other mediums photography still feels really exciting but sometimes other mediums can can kind of get me more excited (laughs) like when I first start them just like anything new and I'm just wondering like where you're at with with that transition and sort of maybe thinking of how you bring them together or, or what's going on or how you'll you know as as like you we said you said at the beginning of this talk like the the protests aren't aren't as big right now or, and, and you're not um you're there's you're not going as often because there aren't protests as often and things like that and I'm just wondering like how photography might play a role for you in your artist practice later on down the line too yeah well, I mean, in in a sense, you know, they they already were there because I, you know, I, I do a lot of like uh, silkscreen images onto my pots, mm-hmm. um, uh, and and so in order to do that, you know, I would either take photographs that already exist or I would take photographs myself, um, and uh, edit them on my computer and then turn them into like a silk screen image. And then I would put those images onto my pots. Um, so that, that was kind of already a, a part of my practice, but it wasn't, I wasn't really good or, or focused at making really quality images, um, like photographs. And I didn't really have that much experience with like Photoshop or like editing and that kind of thing. And I kind of just knew enough to do what I wanted. Um, but I'm really interested now in, in seeing how this, this new work kind of can come back into my, my ceramic practice and in what ways it does that, or maybe I could present things, you know, I could make a sculpture and, present it with a photograph and, and see how those two things interact with each other. Um, and also the thing that would, I'd want to do is, is to do um, maybe some like short films or something like that. Um, that's always been something that I've like been interested in. And I did direct like a, a little short film. Um, I think it was like back in two, 2015. Um, and so it's just like, that that is also something that's like I'm I'm pretty interested in, um, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure how it's going to play out sure, at this yeah. point. But um, uh, it's definitely it's definitely in, in my in my head. I've definitely been thinking about it, but um, I've also kind of half been putting it off until I get access to clay again because <laughs> it's like kind of sad not being able to work with the medium I have the most experience with. 
Mm. I feel like you've made the best of the t- that time, though. Um, yeah, a little yeah, bit with. <laughs> and I mean, I also just feel I'm wondering how. So, I mean, like you said, you you know you were attending the protests just as a protester with your camera, and then the more you were there, um, the more important it felt to be taking these images. And and how, I'm just wondering how it went from that to when you found out that your pictures were going to be in, in the New Yorker. Oh, yeah. Um, Well, I had been, you know, posting photos for a little bit. And, um, you know, I was getting a lot of, you know, great responses from people. Um, So I was like, oh, maybe I'll actually like, you know, the biggest thing I could think of at the time was like, oh, I'll, I'll make a book and publish, you know, a few copies. And that would be really cool to maybe something I could, you know, share and, and hold on to. And then like down the line, maybe one day like a history book will come out and they'll be like, Hey, can we use some of your photos? Uh-huh. And, and that'd be really cool. Um, so that's as far as far as I thought about it. And then um, one day I woke up and the director of photography at the New Yorker uh, had DM'd me on my Instagram account and was like, Hey, like, we love your photos and we would love to include them in our next issue. Can you like, <laughs> um, get, get back to me soon? Uh, and I was just like, what? And I thought it was fake. So I, I like Googled her, uh, as Joanne uh, Miltner. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in, so I, I Googled her and I was like, Oh, I guess it's actually the real person. And by the time I did that, she had already emailed me and texted me. And, um, <laughs> And I was wow. like, okay, I guess this is like a real person. And she's like, yeah, like this is kind of time sensitive. So can you get on like a um, a Zoom ch- call with us? And so I had like a Zoom meeting with with her and the um, the photo editor who who actually found my IG account. Um, and yeah, I talked with, with him like that morning. Like I woke up at eight and we had like a meeting at like nine thirty. And yeah, and I basically just got the ball rolling, and then I sent them a bunch of photos. And they're like, "Oh, do you have more photos about like at this scene?" So then I, I sent them some more photos, and they're like, "Oh, this is great!" Like, sent me back like, um, just like this is the photos that we want to use. And then the, and I sent them like the, um, like the original images, the, the large, large images, um, and then. So like, okay, we're gonna send it over to the editor, and then he'll see, you know, what what if we're gonna include it or not. And then, so that ended up being David Remnick, the like the <laughs> editor <laughs> in chief of the New Yorker, right? And yeah, and so they're like, hey, like, uh, he he loved the images, and he's going to interview you. So, so I woke up to that call. They're like, yeah, so like, David's gonna call you soon, and he's gonna interview you, and then you, um. And then, like, he's going to write a little thing about the the photos. And I honestly didn't know who David Remnick was before all this happened. So I was like, cool, like, David's going to interview me. And I assumed he's, like, a really important guy because, obviously, he's the editor-in-chief of The New Yorker. So. Sure. Um, so, he, yeah, he called me. He's, like, super nice and awesome. And we just basically, you know, in a little more, like, brief way, we talked about basically everything that we've talked about today. And, um, 
and then yeah, and then he was like, oh, we're gonna have like a fact checker call you. So then I was talking to, like a fact checker back and forth for a few days, um, and they wanted, then they interviewed me again to see, and they wanted me to like, describe like what happened in each photo and like what was going through in each photo, and that's how like they wrote the captions. And then um, all that happened, you know, starting on a Wednesday and it ended on a Friday. Um, and that was like two weeks ago. And uh, yeah, and then and then it came out the following Monday. So it just like oh, it yeah. really went from knowing like, no one knowing me, me not really being a photographer, <laughs> and no one knowing who I was. I had like maybe two hundred people you know, following me on Instagram and then, you know, starting on that Wednesday morning and then like that following Monday, just me being a photographer who's been published in the New Yorker. Random people from Arizona are now sliding into your DMs like me. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's, it's pretty insane. And, uh, it's so much more than I could have like really imagined it being, um, which has been, yeah, it's been kind of, it's been really crazy and it's been exciting and surreal and, uh, yeah, yeah, it's just like, you know, <laughs> going through a global pandemic and, you know, all these protests and everything are going on this, feels like the world's ending and then, you know, I got published in the New Yorker and I just feel like this is truly the craziest moment of my life. This is, there's nothing... <laughs> <laughs> that could top this. This is probably peak crazy for me. <laughs> so it's just interesting. I love doing an interview about the interview. I think that's like very meta. I'm, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> Getting yeah. like the behind the scenes. It's so amazing to have that kind yeah. of power where you can sort of contact someone at eight and have a meeting with them by nine thirty. Like that's a pretty yeah. incredible. Um, that yeah. yeah, and I mean, I just. Yeah, it, it that's that it is really exciting and and just thinking I think that there's I mean I know for me there's sometimes within my practice and I mean I've not I'm not experiencing anything close to what you've experienced the past couple of weeks but sometimes with within my practice there's things that kind of feel like they you know it's like once you get some momentum things just kind of like happen and things pick up steam yeah. and, and things kind of fall into place and then it feels like oh this is kind of what making is about making can be something that makes you pull your hair out but can also be something that like you start and it kind of finishes itself a little bit and yeah. i live for those those moments within the practice where you're working hard but you're not trying really hard if that makes sense mm-hmm. and yeah you just experience it just seems to me like you've experienced that on such a wild level you know yeah <laughs> yeah and and you know i i and i also i i think i i've been thinking about like what it is that made these photos and i think it's really just just circumstance and where I where I had put myself like I I just I just think that you know you know whether or not I'm really good at photography I just think that like I just showed up and you know when when you're you know I feel like photography is all just about just like capturing these one-off moments it's like capturing these just like these these really like crazy just one-off moments that that you like encapsulate 
in, in time, like you freeze in time. And, um, but those, those happen all over the place when you're at a protest. Mm-hmm. You, you're going to see all kinds of crazy people, um, or like, not crazy, but people who, who, who look a, a certain way or are dressed a certain way, or you might see, you know, cop cars on fire, or you might see, um, a Spider-Man running around with the, the American flag or something, or you might see someone burning the flag or, so there's like all these like moments that are just constantly happening. And so there's a lot to pull from, you know, and there's obviously a lot of photographers out there right now making a lot of really good work. Um, but it's, it's, there's, there's just so much to, there's so much content like out there that you're just, you know, um, yeah, I feel like that's just like so much of like what happened. So like maybe I do have like, you know, a good eye or something, but, um, I think so much of it has to do with, um, the circumstances of, of what was happening at the time and just, and just being in it, like being actually a part of the protest instead of just being someone on the sidelines, kind of just, you know, trying to just, um, do an assignment. Like I was really trying to like tell the story of like what was, what was happening from my, my perspective. I feel like, um, I mean, it definitely since like the, the New Yorker, um, but even kind of before that, I felt like, I was like, oh, like as an artist, I feel like this is my role. Mm. Like, I feel like everybody has like a role to play in all of this. Yeah. And, you know, some people, what they're capable of is just keep on showing up and just keep on marching, you know? Um, and some people, you know, they're the ones who are organizing and, and leading and doing the, you know, the really like actual hard work of, of organizing in, in research and knowing the issues, knowing what's currently happening, knowing who the politicians and the major players are. Um, and then there's people who, you know, like you or, you know, other people who have these different platforms that, you know, get to, you know, bring people to the surface, different stories and stuff like that. So make them more visible to people. Um, and then, you know, for me as an artist, I feel like, my role is to, you know, both document this and to um, do it in the most compelling way possible mm-hmm. and doing it in a way that's like uh, that where I am telling my own story and, and, and making sure that, it's, you know, a part of history and I get to tell the people stories around me um, that, that I'm witnessing. Uh, so, so, you know, that, that also is, is, a part of the history of, of what's happening. So it's not just CNN headlines or, you know, Fox news headlines or, um, you know, uh, just d- different, different things like that. Like I, I feel like it's really important for us all to like, make sure that, you know, our, our, the people who are on the ground floor, their stories are getting told um, from their own perspective. So I feel like that's like, uh, yeah, artists, you know, that that's, that's what we can do. We were really good at, you know, uh, being compelling in the way that we uh, translate information into or stories or emotions, you know, through mediums or whatever. So I feel like, um, you know, that can really shift culture and that can really like change the perspectives on certain issues or ideas and stuff like that. So I feel like that that is like my role and like why I'm, I'm out there. So like, 
to do the photography. Well, I'm so glad that I mean I, I'm I I'm just I'm really glad that these images exist and that you're you were willing to you know be in the middle of of all of this to to tell the story in, in a compelling way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's been, it's been it's been super crazy. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. Um, and it's also really important, I think, to recognize the moment that we're in, and to talk about right. it, to 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 understand the the power of these images as as they are right now, uh, rather than waiting. So I yeah, just um, yeah, you're right. We all have different roles, and uh, yeah, thank you for for being out there and and for making these images. And um, I know that if if I had been I mean, I, I've, um, I mean, I've been to protests for this, and I've been to protests before for other, for other instances of police violence and things like that. But I think it would, if I got pepper sprayed, like it's sounding, you got, like you got pepper sprayed. Um, I don't know if I would have had the same reaction as you about going back so soon after. <laughs> um, I think uh, I would have been, and you know, everyone handles those situations differently, and, and I can't say because it's never happened to me, but. Um, I think, yeah, just that, that it's important work and, and to kind of push back against those, those uh, circumstances that are supposed to scare you away and, and sort of right. say, say no to that um, is, is very important. So, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, kind of, it's kind of funny, like just like the – you know, the whole idea of like, you know, people are like, oh man, you like, you know, put your, you really put your body on the line and all these different things. And I'm just like, I wasn't planning on to, <laughs> I, wasn't, yeah. I wasn't planning on If it. you think about it ahead <laughs> of time, you probably, on, you know, putting myself in, in harm's way. Um, but you know, that's just like, just what happened. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, the whole, like going back after, after getting pepper sprayed, it's just like, I mean, I can't really put myself back into the the mindset of what happened when I, when I got pepper sprayed the first time, but like, um, it was just like, it's just something that, you know, couldn't be ignored. It was just like what was happening yeah, yeah. in the area, you know, even though I got pepper sprayed, like you couldn't ignore the insanity of what was occurring on the highway on the other side of that fence. So, and I had a camera, so, you know, it was either, it was either, you know, run over and, um, just like, just like help people, uh, like get over the fence as, as much as I can, or I had the camera, I was like, people need to see what's happening. Like, this is absolutely insane. And I got shot, I got shot some shots off and then we got immediately hit with, um, another, uh tear gas so it was just like it was just like some like really split second moments that kind of just like like I, I, it just kind of just happened and then and then I ran <laughs> you know so it was like it was just yeah just things that, that it kind of just like I was out there and it just happened and then I ran and I ended up getting like really good shots um but yeah it was it's just 
it's one of those things. You just that happened. I, you know, I, I was, I, I kept showing up. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good. Well, um, yeah, I'm grateful for that, and um, thanks so much for sharing all this backstory. Well, take care of yourself. Stay safe. Um, for sure. And thanks again so much uh, for yeah coming on and sharing. Just I'm sure that there's some maybe a little bit of like trauma attached to some of those stories you were sharing. So I appreciate you being willing because it's important. Yeah, and th- thanks for for having me on. Um, I really appreciate the opportunity to like you know tell people what's going on in Philly because it's like. It's just it's you know it's a it's a really big problem and um, I'm just glad that more people get to like you know know about it now. Yeah, and I think that it's really important to even though you know most most cities are set up the same way and therefore have the same issues, it's still important yeah. to know the those smaller details about things that you've actually seen. Um, it's much more powerful, I think, to hear from you than it is to read it in a newspaper or. Uh, whatever you know I just think it's it's really nice to have these sort of like um, sort of like dispatches from people who are in the middle of it and not in the middle of it like it, it's like that you know you're that's the place that you live and yeah to me that's more powerful than you know people like dropping in from CNN um, to Minneapolis or whatever it is absolutely yeah Good. Okay, so take care. All right, sounds good. Thank you. Yeah, bye, Isaac. All right, bye.